Sorry, just listening to a miracle. And uh, we'll always take time to hear a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness, right? And the reason is that was a, a miracle about someone sent to the ER with kidney failure and they're about to be released with no problems. And, uh, so, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So don't tell me he can't do it. <laughs> don't, don't tell me. He can't. Hey, how are y'all doing, everybody? Man, it's great to see you all. Welcome to week three of Build. Week three of Build. Build is a series of messages that we started, well, about three weeks ago, and to catch everyone up. Now, there's a lot of information online, and we'll get through all that, so just you just lean in. And hey, if you're a guest, lean in, because this will all make sense, I promise. Um, but if, if uh, and it'd be good for you to know, but as a church, um, obviously, we've been in this location, I think, since 2012, and we have, it was a blessing when we got it. It's a blessing today, but it's a lease space, and so most of you know, a couple years ago, uh, we started a new campus. Uh, on North 259, and it's been a long process, and then it was paused uh, really for you know a couple of years because of COVID, or a year and a half or so. And um, but where we're at out there, if you haven't been out there, most of our develop, site development is done, and then we have slab and we have steel standing. And so that's been about a $5 million process to get to there, and that has all been paid for really um, through through the the power of a good God and the generosity Amen. of his good people, really. And uh, it's, it, was, it was definitely partnership. And, um, and so we celebrate everything God's done, but we know it's time to finish and God's been speaking to us. And so we've been talking about what would it take? What would be our next steps to get from here to that new campus? We have about $5 million of work that needs to be done to move in. And so we've been talking about what would it be? But, you know, kind of like, don't tell me he can't do it because he, I mean, we're really just believing God to do what he's already done. If you think about it, we're, we're halfway there. Come on, living on a prayer, right? And, uh, you know, you want to sing along right now. Um, yeah, from the great psalmist Bon Jovi. And so, um, and so we're just, how many know uh, the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy? Yes. And what that means is when I talk about and tell you what Jesus has done, it tells you what he will do, Amen. right? Because he is the same, come on somebody, yesterday, today, and forever, right? And so we're just talking about that. And so, um, and so Build then is a series of messages, but it's also a 12-month commitment that I'm asking all of our Pathway families to pray about and participate in, and I'll explain that, right, between basically February and next January. And in that time, here's what we're trying to, maybe we say we're trusting. In this time, this is what we're trusting for, our next steps. And so guys, if you want to put that um, slide up here. So this is currently what we have to, to get done, I would love to do this in the next 12 months because that will set us up to move in next year, okay? And so what um, we need to install a bridge over a, a water crossing, basically. And that's We talked about this. By, by the way, let me say time out. I'm going to run through some things really fast, but we've been talking about it for three weeks and I can't start at the beginning. So each week, if you notice, I highlight different things and talk about different things. The great news is all these messages are in the app. They're all online. They're all on YouTube, and the, we left the explanation part before the mess. So I'm going to preach a message in a minute, and it's a good one. Um, but before, if I do say something myself, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, 
But we left the explanation part on the front. That way, if you had questions or whatever, you can go back. I understand it's a lot to take in. I live in this world and you live doing your world, right? And so, but we left the explanations on there. Also, guys, put that website up there, if you will. We did a website for you, or it's on our website, but mypathway.church forward slash build. Um, oh, yeah, it's right here. Um, <laughs> and this, this website, um, our, at our website slash build, has all the information that I'm talking about that you can go and look over. Also has the, the commitment card we're going to talk about today. But also there's an email, build at pathway.team. If you have questions about build, about the building, we'll do our best to give you the best answer we have. Um, if you need to email us, that would be a good way to do that. So those are just resources. All right, guys, back to that slide for me. All right, so here, um, bridge installs about 195000 then connecting the sewer from the building out north of the property to the actual sewer lines, about 170000 um, Road and parking right now is six fifty six. Now these numbers, if you understand our world right now, like every time we ask them for a number, used to they would give us a number that was good for six months or three months. Now it's nine days or five days or 10 days. So these numbers change, but this is where it was two weeks ago. Okay. So, or three weeks ago, um, road and parking about 656. So this would finish all of our site development, all of our curb and gutter, the road in all the 400 and something parking places, all, all the asphalt, all the way around the building, everything. The, those three numbers would, would finish that. And then this last number is to completely dry in the building where it would be, if you understand, if you ever built a house, whatever, you dry it in, then you work on the inside, right? So this would dry in the building. So it'd look finished on the outside, but in the inside, there'd still be work to do. So this is what we'd like to get done this year. And that would be $2,057,000. And I know that sounds a lot, but God has done this before. So I understand it sounds like a lot, but God has done this before. And so God can do it again, right? So our, remember, our job is to trust and be obedient and God gets to adjust the scoreboard, right? The scoreboard's his job. We trust and we walk in obedience. So, so God's done, I understand big number. So God's done that. And so, <clears throat> so the way that, if you want to get this commitment card, the way that this gets done, and, and by the way, we know what I'm about to tell you works because we've seen it work before, right? So the first time it was a good theory. <laughs> now we know it actually works, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, um, but this is what this commitment card. Now we're not turning these in today. In fact, we're not turning these in next week. Uh, we're turning these in on February the 27th is, is our commitment weekend and our big give weekend. And I'll explain both of those things as we walk through this, but this is the commitment card. And so guys, if you'll start, I'm going to show you this. Now this is the first part of the commitment card. I hope I don't need to explain a lot here. <laughs> Please do not write John Doe on your commitment card. <laughs> All right, so the second part of this commitment card is what I love. It's called the giving ladder. The giving ladder. And this is what we know is discipleship happens step by step. Discipleship happens step by step. So what I know about every person, whether you're online or in this room, you're on the giving ladder somewhere. Let me explain. So a potential giver is someone who could give. Now, I'm not saying how much. I'm saying they could give, right? Like you, you could give. $10. You could give, maybe there's somebody here, you could give $10,000. But, but for whatever reason, and not even a bad reason, this is not about motives. Listen, okay, let me, let me say something. Because <clears throat> you are awesome. Let me let, me let everybody just breathe a minute. Because I know, I know my experience as a pastor says when a pastor starts talking about money, finances, commitments, there are essentially three responses in a church. 
there are a group of people that you give and tithe and you're like, amen, pastor. Like I have seen God's faithfulness and I have seen the blessings of God. And I love to hear this message about how we give and, and what God does when we do that because you have testimonies and experience, right? So we have that group of people. We have another group of people that are people that tense up. And it could be a number of reasons. It could be because you were manipulated by someone or a pastor. It could be because you were taught very legalistically and harshly and, and it, 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 you know, it was hurtful to you or scary or, or felt manipulative or whatever. Um, or it could be just a belief that you have from growing up. And people talked about, well, you should never talk about money in church or commitment or all that kind of stuff. And I understand that group of people exists. You may be watching online. So here's, I'm going to almost beg you. I'm not, not really. Here's what I'm going to ask. If that's you, here's what you need to know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to get anything from you today. Okay. And I'm not going to manipulate you today. And I'd like to remind you that you're in a church that has never taken an offering in 13 years. We've never taken an offering. We have received offerings, but we have not taken one. In fact, if you're used to being in some churches, you've noticed today, no one has said, well, let's, you know, the ushers are going to come and they're going to take the offering. No one's going to pass a felt bag or a little plate or a KFC bucket down your aisle, depending on which denomination you were in. <laughs> so in 13 years, we've never, and we're not going to take an offering today and you don't have to worry about that. And I can tell you this, if you never give a dollar to Pathway Church, you are welcome here. We love you. We want you here, and we don't want you to feel bad. Okay? Yeah. That's what I believe. Yes. All right? So I want you just relax. No one's, there's not going to be a stick up today. <laughs> All right? You're safe. So there's that group of people, and you kind of tighten up for whatever reason, a belief system, a way you were taught, an experience you had. And then there's another group of people that I know is in our church as well. And you don't have an aversion to giving. It's just you've never been taught. And you're like, I don't, I don't, you know, I've never thought about it, never been taught about it, not sure what all that's about. And I know I have all those three. So we're, I'm going to help all of you today, I promise, right? And so that was when I was putting all this together. I thought, these, this is my audience. I have these three groups because I know. And, and if you are here and you've been manipulated and you're scared, here's what I want you to know. I, I, do, I, don't, want, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want to condemn you. And I want you to feel safe. And that's why I say truly, honestly, if you never give a dollar to this church, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Okay. And we want you here. All right. All right. Now, having said that, let's go back to the, the ladder because everybody's on the ladder. So the potential giver, remember we said was someone who could give, but for whatever reason, has never given or does not give, all right? So that's a potential giver. An emerging giver is someone who's given, we would call it maybe sporadically, like I give $100 here and $300 there, and, you know, when just different times, different seasons, whatever. That's an emerging giver, giving, but, you know, not consistent, and, you know, kind of just giving kind of when I feel like it or have something or, or whatever the case may be. We celebrate that. Remember, discipleship is a step-by-step -step process, right? Um, the consistent, but an emerging giver, if I said, how much did you give to pathway last year? You wouldn't know because it wasn't consistent enough for you to log it. You'd have to go back and look it up. A consistent giver said, how much did you give last year to, to the kingdom of God through pathway church? You might say, well, I gave $3,000. Now a consistent giver is someone you say, well, I was given 
I should have picked a number that worked better. How about $3,600? And so I was given $300 a month, and I did that, and that was $3,600. So you were a consistent giver, and we celebrate that. Now, the tithe giver is where I really would like all of our church to get to, and, and I'll tell you why, because according to the Bible, some really amazing things, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, some amazing things happen when we're a tithe giver, and I'm going to talk about those amazing things today. In fact, what I have to share with you today is something in a way I've never shared it, but I feel like it's so good and so God, so I'm really excited. All right, so just so you know, but a tithe giver, they give the first, and this is what the Bible calls a tithe, the first 10% of all of my increase is the tithe. And the tithe is directed, meaning it is given to the church, which is called the storehouse in scripture. So according, Pastor Marty did not make this up. This is the words of God we're going to read. But according to God, the tithe is the first 10%, meaning you give it before you pay any bills. Now I understand that's scary, but we're going to talk about it. So, but it's the first 10%. That's why it's first, because it's the first thing you get when you get paid. If you make $1,000, the first $100 is God's, okay? And then you work on the 90%. And the promise is the 90% will go farther than the 100% would have gone. And if you're a tithe giver, you know that's true, right? Because let me explain something. If, if it didn't work, <laughs> we wouldn't do it. Yeah. How many tithe givers, like, you don't, don't identify yourself, but you know, like, you're with me on this. Like, if it really didn't work, I wouldn't be able to do this, Amen. right? A lot of people don't tithe because you understand math, yeah. right? And to tithe, you have to kind of forget about math and understand faith. You know, it's, it's a faith thing. It's a big step, and I get that. That's why we celebrate it, right? So, so a tithe giver is the first 10%, and then an extravagant giver is just that. This is where Pastor Marty is. I, I always give more than 10% every year. Um, but this is where I'm at, <clears throat> just so you know. An extravagant giver, we give over and above our tithe. Like, you know, like we start at the tithe, and then we ask God, where else do you want me to give? And sometimes that's to church, and sometimes that's to projects, and sometimes that's to other ministry partners. Like, you know, it may be Gifts of Grace, or it may be House of Disciples, or Rahab's Retreat, or um, Graciously Broken. All these wonderful ministries that you and I get to participate in every month. If, if you give to Pathway, those are the types of things that we're able to do because people give. And, and so you might give an offering here. Um, you know, you, you may just give an offering to a person because you feel it. But anyways, but that's over and above and it becomes extravagant because it gets more costly. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with me on that. So here's, here's all that I am asking you. Every person, I want every person in our church to participate. And here's what I'm asking you. You already know, just from me talking about it, where you are at on the giving ladder. You already know, right? Sitting there, you're like, oh, I'm a tithe giver, Pastor, or I'm a consistent giver, or I'm a potential giver. My question is just this. Where does God want you to be? That's, and that's the question I want you to ask God. Like, God, wh where do you want me to be? And then figure out how to get there. Does that make sense? And now the last one is where the math is done. So I'm going to walk you through the math. So this is the bottom of this commitment card. So let me show you how this works. So let's say I had been a consistent giver and my normal giving last year was $3,000. 
Now, I make more than $30,000, but let's just say, again, I was consistent, but I wasn't a tithe giver. Let's say I make $80,000 a year, all right? So now God has challenged me to be a tithe giver, and so I was giving $3,000, but in order to be a tithe giver, if I make $80,000, I'd have to give $8,000, so I need to increase my giving by $5,000 this year. So this is additional annual giving toward BUILD, Right. So now, now this will, my new normal giving will be $8,000, which is now I'm a tithe giver. But on February the 27th, when we all bring our commitment cards back and, and we're going to put them in and trust God, we also are going to do a big give Sunday. Now you, you may be familiar with this, but it's called a first fruits offering, which is just over above my tithe. God, what do you want me to give because here's what I'd like for us to do. On February 27th, I'd like for us to pay for the bridge at least. So $200,000 to pay for the bridge on that day. Now, I know that sounds like a lot, but we've seen God do more than that. I remember during the project, there was one December when we needed nearly $300,000 in the month of December, and God provided $400,000 over and above our normal operating expenses to take care of what we need to do. So we've seen, don't tell me he won't do it, okay? And so, <laughs> and then, so let's just say my first fruits offering, then I feel like the Lord wants, I'm gonna be a tithe giver, but he wants me to give a $2,000 first fruits offering in that first big give Sunday um, because that's what he's put on my heart. So now my new one year build commitment is $10,000. All right, does everybody see the math? By the way, all this is online, okay? Now let me explain how we do things um, because some of you may, may have been to a church or whatever, and they have a, a missions fund and a youth fund and a kids fund and a building fund and then a general tithing offering and all that. We, we don't do that um, because it's just, we, well, and back up, because we know a better, for us, a better way. That's probably a better way to say it because nothing against churches that do that. That's, that's, that's what God's spoken to them. Does that make sense? For us, what God told us and what worked to get us where we are, which is, you know, $5 billion of the work completed without a loan was we did the giving ladder and we talked about these, these things, but we do what's called a one fund, meaning you're not making a building fund commitment and a tithe commitment. You're saying my commitment is this and you give it. And what happens is the general giving takes care of what, what, what everybody was giving. In other words, all the bills are taken care of and then everything over the budget, which our budget is set. And we talked about that in the first week. Our budget set and everything over the budget goes towards the building. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you just give, we pay the bills and then everything above it goes towards the building. And you say, does that work? It worked for the first $5 million. So I believe it works, right? And so I'm not telling you, like maybe you could say it was a theory then. I mean, we had some really smart people that showed us this, but, um, but it, it works. And so that's what we do. So you're not trying to make a commitment here and a give there. And a, no, 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 just one amount. You're going to give, but the way it's going to work, when we all step up and we increase and we move into what God's called us to do, it will take care of everything. It just, that's how it works. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's the commitment card. So all I'm asking you to do, I'm not asking you to turn this in today. I'm not asking you to fill it out today. I'm just saying, take this with you. And if you need to talk in your family or you need to go talk to God, probably you need to do both. <laughs> and you ask God, where am I at? Where do you want me to be? And what do I need to do to get there? And what do you want me to give on Big Give weekend, February 27th? 
And we're just going to come together. I can't wait for that weekend, quite honestly, just to see what God does. And the next week, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how many people moved on the ladder, how many people moved up and kind of where we're at. And it's, you're going, so don't miss the weekend after the first weekend in March is kind of where we talk about what God is doing through this. And, uh, and so you don't want to miss that. So does that make sense? Everybody? So yeah. take it home, ask God, talk about it. And February 27th, we bring these back. I would love to see every family in our church participate. And let me, let me just say this, and I know I'm taking a little bit of time with this, but it, it's necessary. And if you're online, you can do this through our website at mypathway.church forward slash build. You can actually fill one of these out digitally. So, and if you need, if you'd rather do it digitally, you can do that as well. We'll get them either way. Here's why I'm asking everyone in our church to participate. One reason is I feel like what I owe you is an encounter with God. That's what I feel like. I feel like what the church owes the world is an encounter with God. And giving is one of the ways. When I teach on relationships or I teach on peace or I teach on the goodness of God or I teach on faith, whatever it is, whatever we teach on, it's because I want you to encounter God in that area of your life. I want you to have an encounter with God. The reason we talk about finances, it's an area of life where you want to have an encounter with God. Abraham had an encounter with God um, when he offered Isaac, which was, it was an, an extravagant offering, right? But that was the first time God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, the provider. It was through the sacrificial offering that he got a revelation. He had an encounter with God that he wouldn't have had any other way. So for me, I don't want anything from you. I don't need anything from you. Please hear my heart on this. I don't. I'm like happy. I'm content. I, I'm not trying to take. But here's what I really want. I want you to have your own God story. I want you to have your own encounter. I want you to see that God can move in your life the way I could bring tithers up here and givers up here. I know some of the testimonies. I'd call them out, have them come stand and tell you what God did in their life. I want you to have that story. That's, that's really what I want. And so that's why I'm asking everybody to participate. And then here's what I'm also saying. If you decide, you pray about whatever you decide, I am not going to give $1 to Pathway Church for whatever reason. I'm okay with that. But would you just fill it out and turn it in so we know? Because we have over 400 families in our church and we're trying to make decisions that are hundreds of thousands of dollars of decisions, and we have to we have to order stuff now and wait forever to get it in. Some of you understand this, and so we need to be able to to make decisions. So in order to do that, we have to know where our church is. So that's why I'm asking everybody. You may say, "Well, I'm just going to keep giving what I you know I prayed about, Pastor. I'm just going to keep giving what what I keep giving." Okay, fine, but would you because that will help us because then we'll know what that is. Does that make sense? And, um, but I think God's going to challenge this. I'll be honest. I think God's going to challenge us all. He's already dealing with me about what I'm supposed to give. And it's a little scary because it would buy a car. So I'll just put my cards on the table because I've got kids that need cars. They're probably not excited to hear that right now. <laughs> but what I, what I will give over the next year will buy a car. And so, but that's what I felt like God put on my heart. And so I'm going to figure out how to do it. And I'm going to have to change my budget. I am. Mr. Budget's going to have to tighten his belt. But I just, but I like to, I think leaders go first. So I'm not selling you something that I'm not doing. That's my point. Does that make sense? 
And if, you know, if no one else does anything, I'm still going to do exactly what God told me to do because I can tell you I've seen what God does when I do what God tells me to do, and I like it. Amen. In the end. It's painful in the beginning, but it works out in the end, right? So everybody pray about that, and let's, let's, let's do this together. Amen? Amen. Are you still breathing? Yeah. Hey, no, no one threw a tomato. <laughs> I love you all. You are awesome. No one threw a tomato. No one stormed out. Yeah, money. yeah, yeah. Tomatoes cost too much money to throw anymore. <laughs> tomatoes are expensive. <laughs> Can't afford to throw a tomato, Pastor. Woo! I feel that. Hey, Amen. All right. Turn with me to Exodus chapter twenty-five. Turn with me to Exodus chapter twenty-five, and uh, I want to share the third message in this series of messages. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm so, it's hard to explain, but I'm so excited about what I get to share today because God showed me something in a way that I don't think I've really ever seen it. And it's, it, when I, and I don't think I've ever preached it this way. And when I preached it in the first service, like even I felt it, I was like, wow, God, you are like here. Like this is, this is like, it's, it's good. And I can say that cause I didn't come up with it. Like all I'm doing is just repeating something that I was told. Does that make sense? So you need to understand sometimes I say, Oh, that's good preaching. I'm not arrogant. I'm surprised. Okay. You, know, like, <laughs> you need to understand like, like Whoa, <laughs> Lord, if you can speak through a donkey, amen. And so, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> some of you know me, you're like, no, that's probably what he really, that's what I really think. I really think that like, Lord, if you can speak through a donkey, praise the Lord, there's hope. Um, so Exodus 25, um, verse one, this was the words, this, this passage means a lot to me because this was the passage of scripture that God spoke to me uh, 14 years ago when it was time to start Pathway Church. Now, I'll never forget, I was walking and praying in my neighborhood and God just began to speak its time and it gave me this passage. And so I go back to this passage all the time, uh, just looking for, for truth in it because I feel like this is God's word to, to us, really. And so it says that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they may bring an offering. I'm talking about this is exactly what we're doing right now. God spoke to our elder team and said, it's time. So speak to the, the people of Pathway that they should bring me an offering. That's exactly what we're doing. It's so cool to me. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering uh, which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, and ram skin. <laughs> That's starting to sound like East Texas. Isn't it? <laughs> bring your goat skin. Please don't bring your goat skin. That's going to be weird. All right, we'll, we'll take the silver, but if somebody walks in here with a goat skin, we're going to pray for you. All right, so don't do that, Bubba. All right, so anyways, and goat's hair, ram skin, dyed red, badger skins. Yeah, now we're in Gilmer. And so... <laughs> hey... I love Gilmer, okay? I love Gilmer. Any town that shuts down over a sweet potato every year, I love it, man. Give me some sweet potato fries, okay? Anyways, ooh, Lord help us. Anyways, ooh, it's got hot in here or something? Anyways, 
Uh, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing. Um, look, look at that. Spices for the anointing oil. Um, look, at we, we, we start at gold and then we get all the way down to spices. And here's what I know. Some people that he's talking to could give gold, but some people couldn't, but they could give spices. And what, when it comes to the work of God, there is no such thing as an insignificant offering or an insignificant person. God will use everyone where they are with what they have. Right? And so then he goes on, and sweet for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod, which uh, priest wore. The ephod was a breastplate. And let them make, now this is the key verse that you've heard me talk about before, I'm sure. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Oh, I love that. Make me a sanctuary. That was what God spoke to me that day. Make me a place to dwell with people. And he said, according to all that I show you, that, by the way, how did we get here? We've done our best as an elder team just to do everything he showed us to do. Like, I can't tell you how much, like, how much my soul takes solace in just that phrase, Lord, if we just do what you show us to do. Like, as an, as an elder team, as a staff, help us just to do what you show us to do. And so he said, just as I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. In other words, make it just like I show you to make it. So I want to talk today about the power of partnership, power of partnership. Let me pray for us. Um, Holy Spirit, you are in this place and, and we are just thankful to be able to be here and meet with you. God, I'm thankful for this church. God, whether this is someone's first day or whether they've been here 13 years, I'm thankful for every person, God, that you've brought. And Lord, in this moment, my, my prayer is, I know you want to tell us something. And it's life-changing and it's good. And my prayer is don't let anything steal the Word of God today. But Lord, let it stick fast in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. The power of partnership. I'm just going to dive in. I have three points. But let's talk about the first one. This is the first point. God doesn't work alone. God doesn't work alone. Um. In Exodus 25, if you think about it, you see a couple of places of partnership. Um, God wanted to deliver Israel. And how many know God could have come down and completely, I guess the word would be, smote the Egyptians? That sounds like a good King James word, doesn't it? Smote. Smote. Um, I mean, God's powerful enough to do that. But God chose Moses. And he said, Moses, I want to deliver my people. So I'm going to partner with you. And now God wants to meet. In other words, he wants a place to meet with his people, to be among his people. Like this should, this should throw your soul. Just this picture. Like sometimes we get caught up on the offering, but you're missing what the whole point. The point of this is you have a God who desperately wants to be where you're at. That's, that's the whole thing. You have a God who wants to be where you are. And you have a God who wants to partner with you. He's like, I want to dwell with them, so get them to, to partner with me. And, and when you look at it, um, all throughout the Bible, anytime that God was going to work, 
he partnered with people. And, and we see it really in, in Genesis, the, the first time in Genesis 1.26. But in Genesis 1.26, it says, Then let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over creation. And here's what God said. I want to bring my kingdom to the earth, but I won't do it without a man. I'm going to partner with a man. I'm going to partner with Adam. And so I'm going to create Adam and Eve. And through a partnership with them, I'm going to bring the kingdom of God into the earth. Like when God wants to work, he creates partnerships with people. I thought about it, I went through the Bible in my mind, and I could be wrong. I don't think that I am, um, because I also did some searching. But there is not one place in the Bible where God works independently of a partnership with a man or a woman. It's always there was a man who prayed, or there was a woman who prayed. Or there was a person who was obedient. Like there was someone that God spoke to and said, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Or I want to do this, so you do this. But you think about all the great stories we know. Samson was a deliverer. Gideon was a deliverer. I mean, you, you know, Moses was a deliverer. Like every time God wanted to work, you look at all the prophets, major and minor. Every time God wanted to work, he created a partnership. Every time that partnership was created, it was a partnership with man. Like this is the way that God gets things done in the earth. By power, God could just come do it. But he limited himself by principle to say, I will not do it without man. In fact, this verse is not on the screen um, because I put it in this morning, but it's one of my favorite verses. Um, I say that I say that about every verse. Have y'all noticed that? <laughs> Anytime I'm preaching, someone asks me one time, what's your favorite verse? I'm like, the one I'm about to preach on. Um, <laughs> and so... But um, it's Genesis 2.5, and here's what it said. God had not caused it to rain because there was no man to work the ground. Oh, yeah, I get chills every time. Like, if you're one of those crazy revival people that come pray with me and stuff like that, I want you to think about that because rain is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what he's saying. Oh, I want to make it rain, but I need somebody to work the field. And that's what we do when we meet for prayer on Mondays at, at noon and Thursdays at noon and Saturdays at nine. You know what we're doing? We're working the field so he can send the rain because God partners with people. I don't know if you thought about this, but when God wanted to save you and me and mankind, think about what he did. He sent his son who became a man And God partnered with man to redeem all of creation. There is one man who mediates between man and God. The man, Jesus Christ. Even when God wanted to save the world, like empower, I'm sure there's a lot of things he could do. But he said, you know what? Here's how I'm going to save the world. I'm going to send my son who's going to become a man and I'm going to partner with man and redeem creation. God doesn't work alone. He works through you and I. That is, he won't do it without us. If you think, think about how incredible that is, 
that the like God God Almighty, like God Almighty, like Creator of everything, who can do anything, who needs nothing, yet says, "You know what? I'm going to make a principle where I won't do it without you." That's how much I believe in you. That's how much I believe in what you're called and created to do. That's that's my heart is I want to partner with you. And God just simply won't work without us. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't work alone. Here's the second thing. Giving builds the kingdom. Giving builds the kingdom. In other words, God doesn't work alone. And one of the ways God works is when we give. Um, Remember, we just read it, but Exodus 25 says, the Lord spoke to them saying to the children of Israel, bring an offering, bring an offering. And, and I thought about this because I thought about, wow, this, was, this is God building the kingdom. Let me explain. He wants an offering for the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the place for the presence of God to dwell. And if you understand the kingdom of God and how it works, wherever the king is, the kingdom is. So wherever the king is present, the kingdom is present. Does that make sense? Uh, in the New Testament, it says you know, that, that, that um, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Like the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we can say the kingdom of God is in the Spirit. In other words, where the presence of the king is, the kingdom is. Does that make sense? So God is wanting to be represented. He wants the kingdom represented on the earth, waiting for the new covenant when the kingdom is going to take over in a completely new way. But he wants the kingdom represented, so his presence is going to be there. And in order to get his presence there, he says, I'm going to partner with people, and they're going to make a place for the presence of God to dwell so the kingdom of God can be in their midst. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking because when it comes to building the kingdom, and you've heard me teach on this because it's, you know, believe, belong, become, and build. It's our four Bs. And you've heard me talk, if you've been here any number of years, you've heard me talk a lot of different ways about building the kingdom of God. And you've even heard me say things like, man, one of the, one of the greatest ways we build the kingdom of God is through serving, right? Because when Jesus came to establish, reestablish the kingdom of God and power on the earth, he came in the form, the Bible says, of a servant. So the most effective form that you can take and bring the kingdom is serving. But what I know is there's a lot of ways we bring the kingdom. I mean, we bring the kingdom through serving. We bring the kingdom through giving. We bring the kingdom through loving. We, there's so many different ways we talk about how we bring the kingdom of God. But I knew, I knew we brought the kingdom of God through giving, but I'm never going to preach something that I don't have scripture for. So I was thinking, I'm like, this, this was, I'll just let you in on mine and God's talk. So I was like, God, I know giving is one of the ways we partner with you and bring the kingdom of God. I know that. I know that. Wouldn't it be great, God, if there was a verse, and this is what I said, and I also know you probably did it first, because usually whatever he's asked us to do, you can find a place where he did it first, yes. right? So I'm like, okay, God, I know giving is how we build the kingdom, and I know you probably did it first, and it'd be great if I could think of a scripture where you kind of were the example and showed us not only that giving is how we build the kingdom, but that you did it first. And I felt like in that moment, God went, <clears throat> almost like, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe you haven't figured it out. Because immediately what he said was, 
Oh, oh, there's a good one. It's the most famous verse in the Bible for a reason. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So here's an example of God giving the most sacrificial gift in the history of creation in order to build his kingdom and rescue his people or redeem his people. And then I said, wouldn't it be great, God, if I could prove you did that first? And he gave me another scripture. The Lamb of God crucified or given before the foundation of the world. Here's what he said. I gave the first offering. I gave the most sacrificial offering. And I gave it before there was a reason to give it. I gave it before creation. I gave it before the fall. And I was like, God, you good. And so, so giving, listen, giving is one of the ways that we partner with God to build the kingdom and, and God has shown us the way, and he is the example for us to follow. Here's the third thing. Let me write this down. But God created giving for a reason. And now I know I just gave you a great reason, but really where I want to land this message is what God showed me that I haven't seen before or not like this. Does that make sense? So God created giving, and we said, yes, God created giving, and in God, it's okay, I get hungry too. That's kind of the sound Pastor Marty makes when he's hungry. But God created giving, and, and I know I gave you a, a good explanation that God created giving to build the kingdom, and that's true, but I think there's even something deeper. And so it really comes to us from, you know, Exodus 25, 8 says, and they he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, let me explain something about that. When I read that, what I saw that I'd never seen that led me to another passage to see something else I'd never seen, because you can't read the Bible like you've always read it or you'll miss what's there today, right? You, you, can't, you can't read it like you've read it before. You got to read it like you haven't read it before, because if you just say, yeah, I know what it says, it's true you know what it says, but there's probably something else. And when I saw this, he's like, he's, think about this. God's saying, I want you to bring an offering. I want you to give me an offering. But why? So I can dwell among you. Think about this. Here's what God's saying. I want you to give me an offering, but it's not for my benefit. It's for yours. Yes. Because he said, if you give the offering, I'll come and I'll dwell among you. I'll be your God among you. And I realized God wouldn't ask for an offering because he needed a new house. He was, ask, he was asking for an offering because they needed him to be with them. I mean, he has streets of gold, gates of pearl. Like if you've read the descriptions of what heaven is like, it's it's dripping, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah. I just do those things to embarrass my children, and so um, 
And so God, God is not trying to build condominiums by the crystal sea. God was taking an offering that ultimately was going to benefit Israel because God was going to be among, there was a place for him to be among them. And when I thought about it, I went, I thought about Malachi, Malachi chapter three. Now the book of Malachi is about a hundred years after um, Israel comes back from Babylon. It's kind of in the time of Nehemiah and Ezra, kind of on the end of that. It's the last prophet in the Old Testament, about 450 years before the birth of Jesus. Uh, and then kind of things go silent for about 450 years until the birth of Jesus. And in Malachi, the people of, the people of God's people, Israel, has come, they've come back from being exiled in Babylon. They've rebuilt Jerusalem. And you would think they would be worshiping God like, God, you have brought us back and redeemed us and restored uh, you know, Jerusalem and all this. But instead, they turn their hearts away from the Lord. And there are actually six disputes that, that Malachi takes on. And I, I, I list them this way. I've never seen them listed this way, so this is Pastor Marty's take on it. But um, he, the dispute number one was over God's love, over God's temple, over God's worship, meaning they'd turned to idolatry, over God's justice. And number five is over God's tithe. That's where most people know Malachi chapter three from. And then the next one was God's faithfulness, meaning it was it benefit us to serve the Lord? That's kind of this dispute that people are having with God. It's kind of a crazy, I wouldn't want to have that dispute with God, but they're very much more brave than I am. And so God is answering all that really compassionately in this book. I mean, it's a pretty compassionate book, honestly, when you read Malachi. But Malachi chapter three is where it talks about the tithe. And, and this is where I, wanna, I want you to see something that I saw, and I want you to maybe hear it a different way. But it says, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. So now if you heard that through a mean preacher yelling at you, God's mad at you because he stole his money, you have misheard that God, God is loving and kind and gracious, right? He can only be loving. And now loving sometimes is stern, yes, but I don't think that's the tone. I'm going to show you. I think this got a different tone. He said, well, a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Okay. And then he says this, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. We talked about the tithe, the first 10% of my increase brought to the church, bring all the tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Right? This is why we tithe. Like if you never get, remember, I'll say it again. If you never give a dollar, you are welcome here. Right? But the reason right now you're seated at a table receiving a meal of spiritual food is because somebody tithed. Because this is the way it works in God's world, right? So, so that's why we celebrate it, not, not because it pays the bills, but because it changes us. We'll talk about that. But anyways, it says, bring the time to the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Let me just say this. It's kind of a funny analogy I heard from Pastor one time. He said, you know, where, where other place would you go and eat a good meal and walk out and not pay? I have a good point. Anyways, um, you get arrested for that nowadays, you know. I was eating at a chicken place the other day. I'm like, y'all went up on their price, on your price. They're like, yeah. I'm like, man, chicken's expensive. Um, <laughs> anyways, and try me, ADD, I'm sorry. Squirrel. All right, so anyways, uh, <laughs> but look at this. He said, and try me. This word try actually means to test me, like to try silver or to test Test me now in this, says the Lord, that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings there's not room enough to receive it. Now, what I want you to hear real quick is we focus on the 
You've robbed me. Give me the money. What if God was focusing on, here's what I'm trying to do for you. I want to open windows of heaven, pour out blessings. There won't be room enough to receive. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. This is what God's trying to get done. So maybe instead of like seeing this as a greedy, stingy, mean God who's trying to take something, maybe God's saying, no, I want you to see my heart to bless you and increase you and help to be good to you. But to be good to you, you've got to partner with me. See, here's, here's what I know. Is that when we talk about the tithe, let's talk about it just a minute. According to the Bible, I believe the tithe is the Lord's. I believe the tithe is the Lord's because God says the tithe is mine. I've just decided to believe him. I could tell him that I don't believe him, but I don't think that's good. Now, uh, in fact, it says it clearly. Leviticus uh, 27 says the whole tithe belongs to the Lord. The whole tithe belongs to the Lord. And, that's, and I know you're saying, well, that's pastor. Now that's in the Old Testament. Half the scriptures you post on your Instagram are from the Old Testament. <laughs> so we can't, we can't do the picky, picky, choosy, choosy. Okay, this isn't Burger King. Get have it your way. Like God sets the menu, right? And so we, we, can't, we can't do the picky, picky, choosy. I like this one. I don't like that. No, 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 no. That's dangerous. We won't do that. Right? <laughs> You know, God likes every verse in the Bible so much that he wrote it. So I believe the tithe is the Lord because he, he says it is. A lot of people are confused and they think the tithe is under the law. The tithe wasn't mandated under the law. It was ratified by the law. And there's a difference. Kind of like when you get to the New Testament, there are things the new, the new covenant ratifies and there are things that pass away, right? But Davidic worship, it, it was ratified in the New Testament in that we still worship, like we call it Davidic worship, but it's basically free worship where we sing songs to the Lord, we gather that kind of thing. What stopped though was animal sacrifice. You don't have to bring a bull today, right? Yeah. And so when it came to the law, the law... Um, ratified tithing. And the way we know that is because Abraham tithed for the first time we see it in the Bible. Well, really, the first time we see tithing in the Bible is in Genesis because it said um, Cain, in the, in, in the process of time, Cain gave an offering. Abel offered the first. Well, that's a tithe, right? Um, and again, we talked about it. Tithing really existed before creation because God gave the first first. And he didn't give the first 10%. He gave the first of everything. He gave the whole thing. He gave the 100%. Yes. Right? And so, but Abraham, who the covenant of Abraham was a grace covenant, and it is used to teach grace in the New Testament by mostly by the Apostle Paul, but other writers as well. He uses Abraham as this picture of a covenant not based on works, but based on faith and grace. Abraham was the first one to tithe under a covenant of grace 430 years before the law. 
So that, that's the truth when we talk about tithing. And, and by the way, some people say, well, Pastor, I just don't see it in the New Testament. There's actually two great places to read about in the New Testament. Matthew 23 is one of them, but also Hebrews chapter 7. In Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to some religious people who are faithful in tithing, but not faithful in loving. And, and they're bragging that we tithe all the way down to our spice rack. Like, I'd be giving God some of my paprika. <laughs> and Jesus says, you should tithe, but you should not neglect to love people. Now, if Jesus, who technically is God's tithe, says that I should tithe, for me, that's enough. Now, if you're here and you're like, but... God only said it one time. If you're a parent, <laughs> and your child came to you and said, yeah, but you only said it one time. How's that going to go? Yeah, I'm going to slap you one time in the next week. No, we don't believe in that. That's terrible. Shh. <laughs> but it's Jesus. And Jesus says you should, should tithe. Hebrews 7 basically says our tithe is a testimony that Jesus has risen. Every time we tithe, we are testifying he's alive. That's what it says in Hebrews 7. And so, so it's, I mean, it's all, all throughout the Bible. But here's what I saw that I want you to see, because I've heard it too, and probably been guilty of preaching it this way, honestly, so sorry. Anyways, but, um, but I've always said, since the tithe is the Lord's, he is saying if you, don't, if you don't return it. By the way, you cannot give a tithe, because it's his. So if you read about the tithe in Scripture, you'll never see God say, give the tithe. He will say, give offerings. In fact, the Old Testament are five different kinds of offering or categories of offerings that you can give. But when he talks about tithe, it's always return or bring. That's the verb. It's never give. And the reason is you can't give something that's not yours. So the tithe is the Lord's, right? So all you can do is bring it back to him or return it to him. If I loaned you my truck today and you went wherever and drove it around and then you brought it back, you wouldn't come back and say, Pastor Marty, I want to give you this truck. That would be weird. It's my truck. No, I really want, I want to bless you with this, Pastor. I want to give you this truck. But it's my truck. No, you would say, I'm returning your truck. I have brought your truck back to you, but you can't give me the truck because it's mine, right? And it's the same way with the tithe. When, when we give it back to the Lord, right, then we're returning to him what is his. And now here's the thing, because he said you're cursed with a curse. You remember how he said that? Okay, if you remember the book of Joshua and you remember the city of Jericho. Now remember what we said, the first is always the Lord's. And you can see it all the way through the Bible. Let me give you one picture. Jericho was God's. And the reason I know that is because God said all the gold and silver of Jericho belongs to the Lord. Yeah. So here's what God was saying. He said, hey, 
The principle is the first is always mine, which started in Exodus chapter 13 was the first time God explained it, but it goes all the way back to Genesis, like we said with Cain and Abel. So the principle is the first is always the Lord's. And so because that Jericho being the first city, all the spoils of Jericho would be brought in the Lord's storehouse. And that's literally the verbiage, the storehouse of the Lord and not to be. And then here's what he said. You give me all the gold from Jericho. I will give you all the gold of every other city. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, in fact, it says it. Um, put that scripture up here. We'll read it. No, the one from Joshua. Oh, it's on the big screen. There's too many screens in this place. Like, I'm reading it back here, and I'm trying to find it. Oh, I didn't give them this. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I didn't give them that one. All right, but see, here's what it says. But all the gold vessels, here, let's read. I'm sorry. This is Joshua 6, 18. And, and you will all means abstain. Watch this. Abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed. Remember he said you're cursed with a curse? When you take of these accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But he says, but the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So here we have, here, here's what he's saying. Listen to this, listen to this. Because we know a man named Achan did this. And he took some of the gold of Jericho and hid it in his tent, right? And it cost he and his family their lives, yep. right? Because Jericho was the Lord's. It was the first one and all the gold and silver. And here's what you need to understand about the tithe. Listen to it, because here is the power of it. Just like Achan, the tithe, if it stays in your house, it's cursed. Yep. If it's put in the Lord's house, yep. it's consecrated. And that's what we saw with Achan because he stole. And this is why God's saying, he's saying, hey, I want you to return. So when he's saying, will a man rob God? Listen to this. This is so good. I'm going to try to wrap this up and make it make sense. Okay. When he said, will a man rob God? I need you to understand something. He wasn't saying, you got my money. He was saying, you took my opportunity to bless you. Yes. Yes. He's like, I, think about when God comes to Abraham, how does he, he show up? He said, Abraham, I have come to bless you. I showed up to bless you. Like, this is the heart of God. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless me. And so this is what God's telling the, the people of Israel, God's people. He's like, hey, I want to bless you. And I created a system that attracts the blessing of God, where the devourer is rebuked, where you can prosper, where you can win, where you can be blessed. And I created that because I did not. This is what God's saying. God did not create giving to get something from you. He created giving because he wants something for you. He wants you to be blessed. He wants to increase you. And he's saying, before I can trust you with more, I have to test you with what you have. Yes. That's why a tithe, by the way, is a tenth, because ten in the Bible is the number of testing all the way through the Bible. Ten plagues tested Pharaoh's heart. Ten commandments tested the children of Israel. Ten times Israel was tested in the wilderness. There's ten virgins that were tested in Matthew 
25, I believe. In Revelation 2, there are 10 days of testing. Jacob's wages were, te- were changed 10 times. I mean, there's, there's all these 10s, and they're always testing. And this is what God's saying. He's saying, hey, I created the time. I created blessing because I want you to be blessed. And, it, and when you don't do this, you rob a good father of being able to bless his children. And that's what he's saying. He's like, I want to open the windows. I want to pour out blessing that there's not room enough to receive. But you got to trust me and you got to partner with me and you got to pass the test. And every time you get paid, you take a test with who's going to be first. But here's the great thing about the test part. Remember I said, he said, try me now in this. Here's what God says. In the tithe, I get to test you. But in the tithe, you get to test me. And here's what he said. Prove me. One verse says, prove me with this. Test me with this. Here's what he says. Listen to this. So good. Oh, so good. If you tithe and I'm not good, you don't have to serve me anymore. That's what he said. If you want to find out if I'm God and if you want to find out if I'm good, you tithe. And here's the thing. If I don't show up, You can live your life however you want. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to serve me. But if I show up, you'll know I'm him. I've found, and and I'm going to say something that's going to be a little bit, I think, strong, but I don't mean it that way. I've found that the people who have trusted God in tithing are the people with the most testimonies about the goodness of God, but they're also the people who are harder to shake by what goes on in the world. And they are the people who are always in the house of God because God has shown them. Think about, think about how God shows up. And so God's saying, hey, it's because here's the thing, you know, to really trust something, you got to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, like how, how many of you, you know, whether it's a car, you're building a house, you got a chair, you know, you made a new chair, but before you sit in it, you kind of, when you're this big, you test every chair <laughs> before you sit in it. Some of y'all are like little bitty people. <laughs> One day I'd like to be a little bitty part people like, it must be great to be tall. No, not really. I don't, I don't play basketball or get paid millions of dollars for it. So it's not really worth anything. I mean, it's great for helping, you know, nice ladies in the supermarket get the mayonnaise off the top shelf. That's about all I've found a use for it so far. But anyways, the point is, when you're this big, you don't just plop down in any old chair. You kind of say, hey, how's this going? You're going to test it a little bit and prove it and then sit in. And that's what God's saying. Hey, I understand sometimes it's hard to trust me, but if you'll test me in this, you'll see I can hold you up. So there were three offerings in the New Testament. I've talked about tithing. Let me just hit the other two really quickly, okay? And I know I'm going long, but it's pretty good. And so, um, <clears throat> so there's tithes and then there's offerings. This to me was the actual proof in this text that God's saying, you robbed me of a chance to bless you. And let me explain. The tithe, as we said, is the Lord's. But offerings are given of a free will. Meaning you can't rob God of something that's not his. And offerings are not mandated. They're an opportunity that comes from our free will, from our heart. So when God says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings, to me, 
that proves that he's saying, I wanted to bless you. I wanted to be good to you because I didn't mandate offerings. Those are a free will. And when he puts it together, that, that to me. So what is an offering? Well, in, I'll tell you in my world, I believe in the giving ladder. We talked about that. I believe in discipleship. You take next steps. I believe giving, you can take next steps. An offering is just that. It's a free will offering. For me, the offering is above the tithe. It's over the tithe, right? Because the tithe is his. The offering is free will. So like on the 27th, I'm going to bring an offering over and above a tithe because that's an offering. Does that make sense? And so to me, that's just a free will offering that God puts on my heart. And I go to God and I say, God, I want to give. What do you want me to offer back to you over and above the tithe that already belongs to you that, that I'm going to return to you? That's the offering. The next one we see in scripture is the sacrificial offering. Now, let me, if you're, you know, if you're like, what's a sacrificial offering? Let me use my, my words. It's one you feel. Because if you've ever given a sacrificial offering, you felt it, right? It's where you have to adjust your budget. It's where you've got to make some changes. Um, we have a, I won't say who, but we have a couple in our church that when we did the first part of the building, um, they felt like what God laid on their heart was what God laid on their heart. And in order to do it, they had to sell their house. And they did. They sold their house and downsized so that they could do what God asked them to do. That is a sacrificial offering. Right? And we, by the way, you see it in Scripture. David, he didn't build the temple, but he paid for it. He gave $21 billion towards it. See, we don't even need $21 billion. <laughs> Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, he was supposed to sacrifice one bull. He sacrificed 1,000 bulls. Um, Abraham offered his son Isaac. Now, God stopped him, but he offered him. He offered the promise as an offering. God, as we said, gave the most sacrificial offering we've ever given. But let me give you one more place in Scripture where even Jesus is impressed. And that's saying a lot. Mark 12, 41, it says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury, and look at this, saw how. Look at that word. He did not see what they gave. He saw how they gave. And he saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which a mite was the smallest denomination of Jewish currency. And then it says to make up a quadrant, that was the smallest denomination of Roman currency. So two mites was one quadrant. So she gave the smallest denomination of Jewish currency to get to the smallest denomination of Roman currency quadrant. So he called his disciples and said, Surely I say to you, this poor widow has put more um, than all who have given in this treasury. Think about that. Because he said, Some put a lot, right? Some who were rich put in much, he said, but this woman gave more. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she put out of her poverty into what she had, her whole livelihood. And this is what I want you to understand. This is a sacrificial offering. See, I, I really probably, I don't, I don't want to say, I'm going to say God's going to speak to a lot of people to give sacrificially 
And, but none of those amounts are going to be the same. Because for some people in our church, a $10,000 check is not a sac- sacrificial offering. For some people, it's an impossible thing. But what I'm saying is, here's, here's why I think God calls us to do sacrificial offerings. Remember how I talked about Abraham and Isaac? And remember how I said, you know, Abraham was willing to offer Isaac as a sacrificial offering? Do you realize the first time God reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, which would be, I am the Lord, your provider, is after Abraham offers one of the greatest offerings we see in the Old Testament. In other words, when we give sacrificially, God gets to show up and reveal himself But not only that, when we give sacrificially, God gets to change us. In Deuteronomy 15, basically what God says is, when you see a need, don't close your hands and tighten up because that will harden your heart. But he said, no, you open your hands and you give liberally because that will change your heart. Giving is one of the ways not only God reveals himself to us, we end up with God encounters and God stories, but giving is how God makes us look like him. Because you will never look more like God than when you give sacrificially because he was the first one to give sacrificially. One of my favorite stories, I'll tell this, but it is my favorite story in sacrificial giving, and since I'm the pastor, I get to tell it. But when we were working on the first part of the building, which was $5 million, my oldest son had been saving for a car. And how many know when you're 16, a car is important? Does anybody believe in that value system? I know I do. And so he had been saving. At our house, we have the 401 straight plan, which means um, that... I match whatever the kids save for a car, dollar for dollar. So, you know, if they save $2,000, then I'll match $2,000. They can have a $4,000 car. If they save $10,000, then I'll sell a kidney and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'll match that or send them to their grandparents. And so, um, and so, um, but he had been saving for a car and he'd been working like manual labor, working, working hard. And um, he, he came to me and he said, Dad, I, I want to, I feel like the Lord wants me to give my car money to, to the new building. Now, as dad, it was hard for me because I knew what that cost him. But it was also exciting for me because I knew God was good. And, and so I said, are you sure? And I think I told him to pray about it another week or something like that and just make sure it wasn't some, anything emotional, but that that was really what he felt like God was speaking and he said, he said, came back and said, yes, that's what I want to do. And he, he, he gave it. And it wasn't too long after he gave it that uh, we got a phone call from someone in our church and uh, who I, I don't believe had any way of knowing what was going on. And, um, and they said, hey, does your son have a car? And, uh, and I said, no, no we, don't, no, we don't have a car. We'd like to give him a car. Really? Yeah, and they did. And it was a nicer car than he would have been able to buy even with the money that he had. And it's my favorite story. It just because probably because I'm a dad, um, but it gets me every time. But this is, what, this is why it's my favorite story. Yes, because it's a giving testimony. It's a great story. But it's because my son will live the rest of his life 
knowing what the faithfulness of God looks like to him, without a doubt. (laughs) And so God has called us to partner with him because God wants some really good things for us. Amen. Man, I love you. Why don't you stand with me? And I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and come. And, uh, and we're going to pray. And so today, if you need prayer for anything, we want you to come in the end just a moment. If you need a relationship with Jesus, meaning you just, as you sat through the service worship, you just know I'm far away from God and I want to be close to God. We want to pray with you too. But if you need prayer for anything, please don't leave. Let us pray with you about whatever, whatever it is. I'm going to pray for us all now, just that God would speak to us. Uh, I know we prayed at the beginning, but it's just the way I want to end. So I'm going to pray. And then again, if you need prayer, you need a relationship with Jesus, I want you to come. And so, Father, I thank you so much for the, the wonderful people of this church. And they're online. They're in the room. They're just amazing people. And God, more, more even than that, we just thank you, God, that you're an amazing God. And that seems like the understatement of the universe, but you are. And you've come today to meet with us. And God, I know you want good things for people. And I really just pray right now, God, that that people will be able to filter through maybe bad experiences or things they've heard. And God, that nothing else, that they would just see your heart. They would sense your motives and they would understand the truth of your word today. God, I know, I believe over the next few weeks, there are going to be God stories of your faithfulness as we trust you in ways we've never trusted you before. And God, I can't wait. So I just pray, God, as our church meets with you and as the families meet with you and, and they ask you where, where you want them to be on the, on the giving ladder, they ask you what you want them to give. God, I just pray you'd speak with clarity because I know their hearts, God. I know the hearts of these people because I hang out with them and God, they want to know you and they want to encounter you and they want to hear from you. And God, I want them to have their own stories of your faithfulness and power and grace. And God, that's what I, that to me is more important than any piece of steel. And so God, that's what I'm asking you for. So God, bless them and keep them and increase them. Let your face shine down upon them. Give them rest and peace in Jesus name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Listen, I love you. You're all amazing. Uh, If you need prayer, please come. Everyone else, go grab your kids. Have a great day. Eat something terrible because it's Super Bowl Sunday.